Thank you, sister girl. I ain't short like Anderson, so I need a little, got to adjust it, you know. <laughs> My apologies to all short people. I ain't talking to y'all, I'm talking to him. <laughs> well, um, as it has been mentioned, we have been in a series that has blessed me personally, and I pray that the Lord will bless you as you read God's word along with us and follow along as we go through this series. We've been learning that the Bible makes it clear as you're studying God's word that God's word is not just a collection of disconnected stories but they are actually connected stories that has a continual ongoing theme. And that theme is, it's a lot of ways to describe it, but one of the ways we've been describing it is that God really does have a plan for your life. That when you read the word in each book, it screams out to you that God is seeking to restore his relationship with you. Amen. He is seeking to redeem you, to bring you back to him. And then once that relationship is restored, once the God of the universe who is seeking to reveal himself to you that he truly does exist, then he wants you to represent him so that others can be drawn to him and that they can know him. Each story in the Bible highlights our need to be reconnected to our creator. But what we don't want to do is like Jesus spoke to the Pharisees the religious leaders who had all the knowledge in John chapter 5. They had the information about God. They were in the church every week, so to speak. Should be up there pretty soon. They just enjoying the introduction in the back. John chapter 5. Hopefully, prayerfully, if not. We'll open up to it. Oh, there we go. Amen. About to make y'all pull out your Bibles in. It's like, what? A Bible? <laughs> what we don't want to do is be like the religious Pharisees who had all the knowledge but did not understand that the purpose of the knowledge was to draw them to a relationship with a true and living God. He says, you study and you search the scriptures. They knew the Old Testament scriptures because you think that in religious rituals that you have eternal life, that in just studying information that you have eternal life. But you completely miss that those scriptures are trying to bring you towards a living God who 
the person who stands before you today as he was speaking to them, I am he. The scriptures, he says, were testifying, even in the Old Testament. They were a foreshadow leading you towards the day when God would reveal his Messiah. Reveal to mankind that they need to be redeemed and restored. And he says, in that is where you get eternal life and that you have a relationship with me. But yet, you refuse to come to me. All of us have been there. Maybe some of you are there now. And even sometimes when we are connected to God, we can get disconnected. And often, even with the right information, can't tell us nothing because we know. We just refuse to come to him. Our heart and our prayer and what God is seeking to teach you is that he wants you to come to him. What are you going through this morning? Come to him. What will you go through? He wants to remind you, come to him. The lessons throughout the scripture, the individual lives that God reveals, is that biblical faith, as we know it in the church, is not blind faith. Biblical faith, the actual word means trust or confidence in. But in the scriptures, as we learned last week, biblical faith has an object. It has substance. It is not blind. It is trusting in a God who exists, and God is seeking for you to have an encounter with him so that no matter what you're going through, or also so that you're not confusing religious activity with personal relationship. The whole idea of God revealing his word for you getting together with brothers and sisters is so that you can encounter him. Come to him this morning. The author of Hebrews, he did a highlight similar to what we're doing in this series, highlights of individuals that can teach us biblical lessons. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Remember Abel. Y'all remember Abel, those that have been here? Remember Noah. Abraham, Sarah, Moses, and in the hall of faith, my girl, the prostitute, Rahab. You know what I love about the Bible? Hebrews 4.31. You know what I love about the Bible? is the Bible makes it absolutely clear for those of us who truly understand Christianity that God's grace is beyond our comprehension. It is beyond our comprehension. There is a modern-day idea that's being thrown out that Christianity or Christians are not inclusive. 
But if you truly understand the word of God and you understand the Bible, you know that Jesus came to seek and save sinners. If you truly understand the word of God in the Bible, you will understand that prostitutes are in the hall of faith. I know it's got to be up there. I want them to see that scripture. Okay, I'm going to keep rolling. There we go. Help a brother out. I worked hours on that PowerPoint. I know it's up there. Okay. My brothers and sisters, no matter what you have done, I'm not trying to excuse any sin this morning. No matter what you have done, no matter how bad you have been. And whoever it is that God is leading you to minister to, no matter how bad they are, no matter how much it seems that they can't be reached, the God of the universe, when he shows up, his grace overwhelms their life. That no matter how bad they are, they realize that they have a God who loves them. True Christianity seeks to reveal to mankind that, yeah, you're a sinner. But I am looking to restore my relationship with you. And then as the author does an overview of the Old Testament, he wraps it up in verse 32 and he says, what more shall I say? For just like any preacher, we don't have time to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, all the prophets, and now who we're going to focus on this morning to learn another lesson, a man by the name of Samuel. What we're going to learn from Samuel is that when God calls you, and gives you an individual purpose. Sometimes the biggest challenge to your commitment to your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is people. Some of the biggest obstacles, like Anderson mentioned in our life, for living out God's plan for our life can be the people in our life. Can I get a witness? Here's what's interesting. It's not just the people that are on the outside of our calling. Quite often, it's the very people that God has called you to serve. God needs to give somebody the truth this morning. Because, see, God knows when he calls you. When you are truly called by God and he reveals himself to you and you have a mission for him, ain't nothing easy about it. To be committed to God's call in the Lord Jesus Christ is the biggest blessing in your life, in your future, but also the biggest challenge at the same time. <clears throat> Let's read about my man Samuel and see what the Lord has to say to us through him. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 8. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. 
The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet, verse 3, his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, and they said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But this thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they also are doing to you. Now then, obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall rule over them. After God continued to bless the nation of Israel, to demonstrate to them that he is time and time again, like we can relate, they went their own way. It says in the book of Judges, before you get to Samuel, that every person did what was right in their own eyes. Sound familiar today? To speak to the millennials, college-educated folks, no absolutes, right? There's no absolute truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Don't tell me what to do. Everybody can just decide for themselves. There is no one authority, let alone an unseen God. Give us a king. Somebody we can physically see like all the other nations. We want to be like everybody else. Time and time again, God showed them that his way is the best way. And when they went away from God, what would happen? They would end up in bondage, life troubles, and they would call on the name of the Lord. Like I do, like we all do. And yet, what does God do? Grace. Grace. If you read the Old Testament and read the story of the children of Israel, it would blow you away at how merciful God is. If I want to feel good about myself, I just read about the children of Israel. Because I know I continue to mess up, but Lord have mercy. You've seen all of these miracles. And yet, you still don't put your confidence and trust in the Lord. <laughs> and so, Samuel says to them, in 1 Samuel 7, 3, let's go back to that before we dive a little bit more into the story. He says to them, house of Israel, if you return to the Lord with all your heart, then put away your foreign gods 
in the as astroph, astroph, from among you, which just basically means foreign gods, another word for that. You and direct your heart, or from among you rather, and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. He will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. Over and over again, God says to them, your heart. Over and over, he reminds them, if you give your heart to me, I will deliver you. Anybody need deliverance this morning? So after that message, hearing the word of God, what do they do? They say, give us someone else, Samuel. So Samuel learns a valuable lesson. The first lesson he learns is through his kids. Samuel was old and he tried to help his sons serve the Lord. As a matter of fact, he named his sons those biblical names. Good Christian name, Joel, the Lord is God. Abijah, my father is the Lord. You know how folks, they have kids and then they name them Genesis. <laughs> Moses, this child will deliver us from poverty. It ain't nothing worse, some of y'all know, than a kid who is the preacher's kid. But next to the preacher's kid, the biggest kid that have challenges is the Christian's kids. Because the standard that the world holds them to when you say you're a Christian is a high standard. Yeah. Yeah. And Samuel's kids, verse 3 says, his sons did not walk in his ways but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and they perverted justice. Samuel was called by God from childhood. He was raised in the church. He served God with all of his heart, and yet he learns a valuable, valuable lesson that even my kids can be impacted. He represented the people, or they represented the people, using the religious platform, his kids, for gain. But Samuel tried to put his kids, knowing they weren't right, on a platform to represent God. <laughs> Which shows you and me, through Samuel, that even religious leaders have major flaws. Even when God calls a man and a woman, just look at the Hall of Faith. David, as many of us know, the most popular figure, cheated on his wife, killed a man. Yet God's mercy brought him back and he became a man after God's own heart. But God is about to teach you and I a valuable lesson even through Samuel that you really can't depend upon people even as the brother said earlier, the religious leaders. And if you would think, or if Samuel thought things couldn't get any worse, here comes the community coming after him. 
Then the elders, verse 4, of Israel gathered together and came to um, Samuel at Ramah, came to his hometown, knocked on his door, caught him in his crib, probably sleeping in bed, eating a good snack, I don't know. <laughs> and they said to him, behold, we got two problems against you. You old number one, and your kids just ain't right. So they come to accuse him and to put him down because as soon as you down, here come folks piling on. They are looking at you in your faults, verse 5a. But God has a message. Verse 6, but this thing pleased Samuel. Obviously, he's shooken up, he's sad, and he goes to the Lord, verse 6, in prayer, like he should do. And the Lord said to Samuel, do what they tell you to do. And God teaches him his first lesson and our first lesson. For they have not rejected you. Number one. We say this a lot at Radius Church that it ain't about you. But the first thing that they need to understand is that it's not about you, Samuel. It's never let the shortcomings of God's representatives be the reason why we don't serve him. Never put the leaders on too high of a pedestal to determine your commitment to him. Because Samuel, it ain't never been about you, God said. See, they have not rejected you, ultimately. But what they need to realize, the second part of verse 7, they have rejected me from being king over them. Often, when there's a complaint, there's a motive behind the complaint. Kids came to me one time, <laughs> or y'all know, I, I ain't going to put my kids on blast. I generally do, but I'm going to save y'all this week. <laughs> we know how this is, a kid or a friend, and somebody come to you, and they're complaining. And my kids come to me, and they, they complain about stuff when they were little. But I can tell through their complaint that there was really a deeper issue. And so before they can continue their complaint, my response would be, what is it that you need? What is it that you really want? Because I can read between the surface of the complaint and realize that there is really a deep-rooted issue. And God says to Samuel, read beyond the surface of their complaint. Really what it is, is they don't want me to be a ruler in their life. They say it like this to Samuel. We want a king, going back to verse 5 real quick, like the other nations. 
they wanted to be like everybody else. And from God's standpoint, motive matters. God had fought their battles. He had delivered them. And when we go down to verse 20, they really reveal it. Samuel 8, verse 20, they say that we may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Verse 20, 1 Samuel 8. Got to get me and my peoples on the same page. <laughs> okay, keeping flowing. What happens here in these situations, my brothers and sisters, is that we all have desires. You have desires. I have desires. But the bottom line is, will he be king over our lives? Look at what the Lord says in verse 8. According to all the deeds that they have done, from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, they forsake me, they serve other gods, and this is what they're doing right now. Now then, obey their voice, but you should warn them. If they choose this direction, if they choose this road, and the king that they want to remain over them, what shall happen? Second lesson. Don't ever, and I think we know this, but here it is in the word. Never ever force anybody to obey the Lord. The other lesson is God will never force us. The lesson is for how we engage people and how we internalize when we feel hurt. But the lesson is also personally for us. Is that the awesome thing about our God is that he never, ever forces. But he always warns. He says, do what they tell you to do. Listen to them. Don't force it on them. I don't want you to force religion on them. I don't want you to force me on them. I don't want you to force my ways because here's the deal. I've been with them. Through all the times that they have turned away from me, that they have rejected me. I've been with you, Samuel. I've been with your people. But what I want you to do is I want you to tell them the truth. See, what we don't not want to do is not understand that if you don't serve God, there's the other side of the coin. If your children doesn't serve God, there's the other side of the coin. God is saying to Samuel about his family, about the community that he's called to serve, that they are not rejecting you. They are rejecting me. Whenever you decide, whoever we are this morning, that you will serve the Lord, there will be obstacles in your life. It will come in the form of your family, those closest to you. 
quite often children, cousins, uncles, brothers, closest friends, all attempting, whether intentionally or unintentionally, to discourage you from God's direction and plan for your life. But what you always have to remember is that it is not you that they are against. It is ultimately your God. And so what you want to do is that you never want to allow people to discourage you from your commitment to him. Some of us need it today. Some of us will need it in the future. Secondly, in verse 8, always remember God's deliverance in your past. To have confidence for your present situation. The people of Israel continued to have short memories. And we continue to have short memories. God deliver us today, we mad tomorrow. But God is teaching a lesson here through Samuel. Do not forget how I delivered you out of bondage. When you're making a decision whether or not you're going to give up on me. Because we all been there and probably going to be there when we just want to give up and not have confidence in the God that brought us out of bondage. And then again, reminding, verse 9. Don't force God's word. When God has called you, to a ministry, when you get to the point in your life where you know what God has asked you to do, and I have to learn this for myself, I was like, wow, Lord, maybe you're talking to me as well. Well, yes, he is. When people don't want to commit themselves to the Lord, we have to always remember to allow them to make their own decisions. However, to tell them the truth. Verse 20 of Samuel 8, going to a conclusion. If it's up there now. Still not up there? Okay. They said to God that we may be like the other nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. The last and most important lesson, choose God as king of your life over man. Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. If you seek God, and if you're intentional in your seeking of him, and you understand that he is real and he exists, he will guide you and deliver you. 
In Hebrews 6, where this verse comes out of, there's the hall of faith that we just reviewed. The witnesses, the people before you, and people in your lives that you know that are testimonies. That when you're in your situations, God has been faithful and will be faithful. But without faith, without trust, I also could have underlined the word impossible. To please him. My brothers and sisters, may the Lord speak to your heart this morning. May the Lord teach you from Samuel that it is not you that they are rejecting, but it is him.